The legal tampering period starts on Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and we need to check in on all the rumors and updates surrounding the Buffalo Bills today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, or if you're watching us on YouTube, your first watch every day. It's a pleasure to be here on this Monday, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props and odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. It's going to be a busy week in the NFL. Free agency opens technically on Wednesday when the new league year starts, but the legal tampering period starts on Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. And with that said, today we have got to check in on some of the latest rumors that relate to the Buffalo Bills and just kind of an overall checkpoint as to where the Bills are entering free agency because they've made some moves. So we have to talk about the moves that they've made, and we have to talk about the rumors that the Buffalo Bills are linked to at this point in time as we get ready for a busy week here on the podcast let me say this, and, and part of the challenge with a week like this where you know that the news cycle is going to be very fast and you never know when things are going to happen, there's going to have to be a cutoff every day where the news that we have to that point is what will be on the podcast, and then we'll pick things up the next day. And so I will wait as long as I can to do the podcast, but this is a fluid week. Things could be crazy. Things have already been crazy across the NFL for other teams. And so just understand that we will keep reacting as often as we can, but it's just a tricky week here as it relates to the podcast. So bear that in mind as we navigate this crazy week in the NFL. So things got started for the Bills, I guess, uh, probably about a week ago with some of the moves that they made with the new league year starting. Of course, the Bills re-signed Saran Neal to a three-year deal. Special teams ace, versatile depth player on defense. You know, the Bills continue to tell us that they prioritize special teams and they will pay for players that are good on special teams. If there's anything Brandon Bean has taught us throughout his tenure as general manager of the Bills, it's that he is willing to pay for special teams players. So Saran Neal's back on a three-year deal. Jake Kumaro, wide receiver. He's back on a one-year deal. The Bills extended him, and he's a player that obviously his value is as a four-phase special teamer, but he also contributes in the offense primarily as a blocker. You know, the Bills aren't afraid to put Jake on the field to block in bunch sets, and sometimes when they want to do some perimeter runs, they'll get him going. And obviously, again, the value there is on special teams, but what I really like about this is it's another, another familiar player back in the lineup for Josh Allen. And while I don't think we should expect much from Jake Kumaro as a receiver, he does have a lot of time on task in this offense with Josh Allen. And if you needed a depth player to step in 
and catch some passes in a game, you know, I think you could do a whole lot worse than Jake Kumaro and you love that he's got some established rapport. I think, in fact, Sean McDermott over the summer called Jake Kumaro a glue guy for the football team. And anytime that McDermott says that type of stuff, you can bet on them sticking around. The Bills also re-signed on Sunday wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie to a two-year, $8 million deal. Now, let's pump the brakes on reacting to the money here because like we continue to preach and other Bills podcasters continue to preach, wait until the full terms of the contract come out before you overreact because the structure here might not quite measure up to a two-year, $8 million deal. It's probably worth up to $8 million deal. We need to see what the guarantees are. We need to see what the structure is. We need to see what the signing bonus is. So Isaiah McKenzie's back. And, and look, good for him. This is a player that he's been around for a while. You know, this isn't a new player to the team, and he keeps on making the roster and finding ways to make an impact. And whether that's been as a gadgety type player within the offense, doing the jet sweeps, taking handoffs, or occasionally having to have a bigger role in the passing game and really delivering in those moments, Isaiah McKenzie has meant a lot to this football team. And I don't think his calling card is ever going to be as a return guy. And so I think we can kind of put that to bed and understand that the Bills paid him two years, $8 million to come in and be a more meaningful part of the offense. And I think we should be encouraged by that idea because in flashes, Isaiah McKenzie has performed very well. And so I'm eager to see what he can do in an expanded role on offense that he just has more opportunity. And I think he's earned that, and I'm anxious to see what it looks like. Again, while there's going to be a lot of pieces new around Josh Allen, especially from a coaching perspective, right? New play caller and Ken Dorsey, new quarterbacks coach and Joe Brady, new offensive line coach and Aaron Cromer, and the techniques and protections might look a little bit different there. It's good to have a player like McKinsey back in the mix as Gabriel Davis takes on a little bit more. Isaiah McKenzie takes on a little bit more. You like that the guys taking on a little bit more are players that Josh Allen is familiar with. Now, I don't think that this eliminates the idea that the Bills could go wide receiver in the first round of the draft, especially because now they are going to be paying digs. Eventually, you're going to pay Gabe Davis. You've got some money tied up in Isaiah McKenzie, and you're probably looking for some economic options to step into this receiver core. And so I still think that wide receiver is in play for the Bills at some point in the first, second, or third round. So I don't think we dismiss anything there, but I think there's some things that you can look at that give me some encouragement that the Bills are going to incorporate McKinsey more in this offense at the same time doesn't preclude them from an early investment in the draft at wide receiver. So they re-signed Jake Kumaro, they re-signed Saran Neal, they re-signed Isaiah McKenzie. Those were the three guys that, as of the recording of this podcast at 8 p.m. Eastern time, just moments after we found out that Tom Brady is not retiring and that Kirk Cousins signed a one-year, fully guaranteed $35 million deal with the Vikings, Isaiah McKenzie back with the Bills. The other big piece of information that's come out since we spoke last is Matt Hawk, right? The Bills had Matt Hawk take a pay cut, the punter, 
And we've talked a lot about Matt Hawk. He's the worst punter in the NFL. Statistically, he's dead last in hang time, net yards per punt, average punt, and touchback percentage. Literally the worst punter. He's also the worst punter in the NFL by EPA. It's, it's not close, and he's been bad for a long time. We all know Matt Hawk, the value is in the holding, right? He's a great holder, and Jason Sanders with Matt Hawk in 2020 was an all-pro kicker, you know, got a big, massive contract extension. This past year, without Matt Hawk, Jason Sanders became the kicker for the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins had the lowest made field goal percentage in the NFL. Matt Hawk is a holder matters. Matt Hawk is a punter, is the worst in the game. Now, my initial reaction to this news was that the Bills did something to make the contract more digestible, but that they were kind of committing to him as the punter. That's not the reaction we should have. The only reason to panic about Matt Hawk continuing as the punter for the Bills is if they don't bring in any competition. And what the Bills did through this restructure was put themselves in a position to easily move on from Matt Hawk because the roster bonus is gone. He's basically getting paid a minimum salary for this coming season. And he's easily moved on from, from a contract perspective, should the Bills bring in competition and that competition beat Matt Hawk out. And so nothing to panic over here. We obviously have the full offseason for the Bills to do something here to bring in meaningful competition that we hope takes over for Matt Hawk. But in your back pocket, should you not be able to find that upgrade, you still have Matt Hawk. Now, I don't really see a scenario where Hawk should be able to come in and be the punter. But last year, I think Brandon Bean made a mistake by not having any competition for Matt Hawk. There was none. This was his job through and through. And so that's obviously going to change. And the Bills put themselves in a good spot with this restructured contract to move on from Matt Hawk should he not win the punter competition. The Bills have also made a, a couple other moves that we've talked about, but they released John Feliciano, offensive lineman. They saved over $3.5 million in, in salary cap space by moving on from Feliciano, who, interestingly enough, uh, I was listening to the Shout Buffalo podcast with Ryan Talbot and Matt Perino, and Matt Perino talked about uh, a belief that Feliciano views himself as a center. And so that's interesting, and that probably will help him on the market because as a center, I think Feliciano can be covered up a little bit more in pass protection and have some bumpers, right? The guards, where if he's at guard, he gets a little bit too isolated man-to-man -man in, in blocking in pass protection, and he struggles. And he's obviously a really good run blocker, and so that could be a good career move for John Feliciano. Probably a good signal that Mitch Morse is safe on this roster. And it's always been my expectation that Mitch Morse is safe on the roster. Of course, the Bills moved on from A.J. Klein, freed up over $5 million in salary cap space. The two players to keep an eye on right now, in my mind, as far as players the Bills could release, that's Cole Beasley, wide receiver, and I think signing Isaiah McKenzie, you know, bringing him back on a two-year, $8 million deal, that's probably not a good signal for Cole Beasley being back in the fray next season. And so I'd be looking for him. Uh, to be either cut or traded. If he's traded, I would expect a late-round pick, sixth, seventh round at best. And the other player is Darrell Williams, where the Bills have an opportunity to create some space there. But here's what's interesting, right? The Bills are cap-compliant right now. They're in a good, good spot in terms of 
not being over the cap. They've, they've done what they needed to do to get under the salary cap. And so with the league year starting on Wednesday and the legal tampering period opening on Monday, there's no reason at this point to make additional cap-creating moves when you don't know what's coming. You're not going to cut Daryl Williams if you're not able to find meaningful options in free agency to come in. So go ahead and hold on to Daryl Williams. If you agree to a guard in free agency that you like better, or you know, there's a couple offensive linemen that you like better, then by Wednesday, move on from Daryl Williams so that way you can become cap compliant to absorb those new contracts. And so if you're sitting back wondering why hasn't Brandon Bean done more to create cap space, understand that there's a lot of smart, you know, there's a smart strategy behind that to not create more cap space than needed to create unnecessary holes. Know how you're going to fill those holes first, and then before the new league year starts on Wednesday, then come through with your additional uh, salary cap savings moves. Now, I'm also looking for some extensions. I would love to see Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, Mitch Morse, Jordan Poyer. I'm not sure if any of that stuff is imminent or not, but those are the things that I'm keeping an eye on from an existing player's perspective. If they move on from Beasley, if they move on from Williams, and if they look to restructure or extend anyone else. Real quick, I do want to talk about expectations, right? What should we expect from the Buffalo Bills in free agency? And I feel, I can feel it from the fan base. I interact with a lot of you guys on social media and I, and I read a lot of your tweets and I can feel a lot of urgency from the fan base for Brandon Bean to do some stuff, right? Get some new players in here. Do what's necessary to push this team over the hump to go play in the Super Bowl. So let's let's talk about a couple of things here to help us have the right expectation, right? Because expectations minus reality equals disappointment. All right. So it's it's very good to have the right expectation. That way you won't ever be disappointed. And so listening to every word that Brandon Bean has said leading up to free agency, his tone that I can gather when speculating about moves and trades and all that type of stuff is very much, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see, you know? I I don't know, we'll see. All right, I, and, and that's been his tone, right? He said a lot more than that, but I think it all kind of boils back to, we'll see how that goes, right? I'm not sure at this point. I don't know. So he's either trying to manage the fans' expectations because it's going to be quiet, right? Or is he keeping things close to the vest because he's planning on being active and obviously doesn't want to tip his hand. Here's three things that we know about Brandon Bean that can help us set the right expectation for free agency. First of all, he's very good at his job. Very good. He's one of the best general managers in the NFL. He knows what he's doing. Good at his job. He's proven it. He's built, in, he's built a Super Bowl caliber roster in Buffalo that's been on the field for the last two years. He knows what he's doing. Number two is that he does have a plan. So if you're sitting back right now thinking that Brandon Bean is asleep or anything like that, he's not. He has a plan. He's a planner. He's very meticulous. I promise you that the Buffalo Bills have a well-thought-out strategy to attack this entire offseason, including free agency. Number three, he's told us time and time again that he believes in drafting, developing, and re-signing his own players. That has been his bread and butter. There's been some outside moves that have helped, right? You think about John Brown. 
Think about Cole Beasley, Steph Diggs, Mitch Morse, Daryl Williams. There's been a lot of good outside moves that have helped this team get to where they are. But the bread and butter is drafting, developing, and re-signing. Look at the roster of the 22 starters on the Buffalo Bills. 15 of them have never played for another NFL team. The reason the Buffalo Bills are a Super Bowl contender more than anything is because they've drafted, developed, and re-signed. And so maybe this free agency period is going to be quiet. And if it is, just understand that this team-building philosophy is one that they believe in, and it's working. So if you're going to scratch and claw at the air and wonder why Brandon Bean isn't doing anything, remember his core team-building principle draft and develop, and the reason the Bills are a Super Bowl contender more than anything is because they've been true to that philosophy. Maybe he'll make some moves to push the team over to hump, but the backbone of this team is going to be draft and develop. Folks, we talk about Built Bars all the time here on this podcast. They are the world's best tasting protein bars, but I got to ask you, have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, then you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars, Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate because all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're healthy for you. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have tons of great flavors, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, raspberry, and they have new flavors coming out all the time. And at Built Bar, it's all about the taste. They make it taste great first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every time. Got a deal for you? Go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's get into some of the rumored interest out there right now. The Bills have been linked to some players uh, both that are free agents and players that they could trade for. Let's roll through this real quick. The first one, Evan Ingram, uh, New York Giants, former first-round pick, a tight end slot hybrid type player. And according to Dan Duggan of The Athletic, the Bills are the top suitor. I'd expect him to get paid somewhere in the 7 to $8 million per year range. And he's obviously a big athletic dude that's made some really explosive plays and really kind of functions as a big slot receiver. And so the Bills kind of have that player already in Dawson Knox, and so maybe this is a signal that they want to do a little bit more 12 personnel and uh, get some bigger bodies working from the slot from time to time. And it's interesting to me. I think that there's a, a lot of appeal and interest to me in Evan Ingram. I will say that whenever I think Evan Ingram, I think of two things more than anything, drops and injuries. Dude's always banged up and he's got some issues with drops. I understand that he's a potent weapon. I would hope that if he came to Buffalo, a lot of those inconsistencies, both from an availability perspective and at the catch point, would improve. But I, I can't help but be honest with you. I think those are the two things. When I think Evan Ingram, I think drops and injuries. He's, he's a potent player, and uh, maybe he will come to Buffalo and, and be the best version of himself and really help this offense. The next player is Chandler Jones, Arizona Cardinals pass rusher. Uh, according to Jordan Schultz, 
Uh, Jones is expecting 15 to $18 million per year on the open market. The Seahawks, Broncos, Dolphins, Falcons, Bills, and Eagles are rumored to have interest. You guys know I'd love to bring in Chandler Jones. He'd be the perfect veteran in the room for that young defensive end trio. He would elevate the Bills' pass rush. He's going to be expensive. And so you'd have to do some creative things to bring him on. Uh, but, um, you know, I wouldn't, I would not be upset if, if Brandon Bean were able to pull that off. The next player is Dan, Daniel, uh, excuse me, Daniel Hunter from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, defensive end. I think he's 27, 28 years old. Uh, according to Jeremy Fowler, his tweet reads multiple teams have inquired about the trade availability of Pro Bowl defensive end Daniel Hunter per sources. While the Vikings aren't believed to be actively shopping Hunter, multiple execs believe he's available due to cap issues and uh, Hunter's $18 million roster bonus due on March 20th. So look, obviously a high-impact player at a premium position. Wouldn't hate it. Probably going to cost you, you your first-round pick. And you're going to have to get creative. You bring in Daniil Hunter, you got to figure out a way to get him to fit within the cap, right? He, you have That $18 million roster bonus is something the Bills would have to figure out if they were to bring him in. And so similar type deal with Chandler Jones. If the money works, you'd love to bring in this player. Um, but it could be challenging. The next one is Fletcher Cox, and this one also courtesy of Jordan Schultz. Uh, the tweet reads, Eagles are receiving a lot of interest for six-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle Fletcher Cox. League sources say the Bills, Steelers, and Chargers are all interested. The Eagles aren't necessarily in a rush either when it comes to a possible Fletcher Cox trade. There is a $15.9 million option for Cox in July that would clearly trigger an extension or restructure for any acquiring team uh, but wouldn't be dealt with until then. That second part of that uh, about triggering an extension comes courtesy of Greg Thompson on Twitter. And so, look, you know, I'd love to bring in Fletcher Cox, uh, be a major addition to the interior of the defensive line, more of a three-tech than a one-tech, but obviously you can get him and Oliver on the field at the same time on passing downs. And um, I'm sure you could probably play Fletcher Cox at the one. He's a guy with really no limitations. And so I uh, would love the idea of bringing in Fletcher Cox again, you got to figure out what to do about that that fifteen point nine million dollar option for Cox in July, but you know would be a great addition to the Bills' defensive line. The last player I'll touch on here is Christian Kirk, uh, who's been a rumored player for the Bills at least I think because he hung out with Josh Allen this offseason. Uh, Tom Pelissero believes that Kirk will get a deal that pays him fifteen million dollars per year or more. So. That seems like a bunch of money for Christian Kirk, and that's kind of crazy to me because I think Michael Gallup's a better player, and Gallup just signed a new deal with the Dallas Cowboys, five years, $62.5 million. So I'm not sure why Christian Kirk would get 15, uh, but this is the world we live in with free agency. I would say a hard pass for me on that $15 million per year price point. I would earmark that money for Gabriel Davis, and I don't think you can really have big money you know, tied up on three receivers. You can't be paying Diggs, Davis, and Christian Kirk north of $15 million a season. That's, just, that's not going to allow you to have a balanced roster. And so that's going to be a pass for me if that really is his price point. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. 
BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action because BetOnline is where the game starts. So I know that we move quickly there through the um, the rumors right now that the Bills are linked to Ingram, uh, Chandler Jones, Daniel Hunter, Fletcher Cox, Christian Kirk. We'll talk if they sign with the Bills. Obviously, we will break them down from every angle. But for now, I just kind of wanted to catch everyone up to speed on you know those rumors that are out there at this point. And keeping in mind that a lot of things right now are agent driven, right? Agents are giving information to NFL insiders for them to put out there about rumored interest and price points and all that type of stuff to drive the market. And then as the insiders tweet out the information, when that player gets signed, the agent will give that insider the information first. That's how the insider game works. So all this information you're getting right now is all agent driven. So if Christian Kirk is going to get 15 million a season, We'll see, but that is all agent-driven information. What I want to close on today is, is real quick, looking at the other expired contracts that the Bills have to deal with, and then just some quick thoughts on what the heck is going on with the, uh, with the AFC West and as it, how that affects the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills still have a long list of expired contracts, and let's be honest, a lot of these guys are probably going to be playing for new teams next year. And as we consider the compensatory pick formula, if you want the Bills to have compensatory picks, you are rooting for all of these players to sign big money deals with some other team and play well. And you're hoping for the Bills to not sign other teams unrestricted free agents. So Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Harrison Phillips, Vernon Butler, Manuel Sanders, Mitchell Trubisky, Ike Bucker, Levi Wallace, Taiwan Jones, F.A. Obata, Bobby Hart, and Brian Cox. All of those guys are expired contracts that the Bills will either re-sign or let them test the market. Obviously, some interesting players there. Jerry Hughes, the longest tenured member of the team. Mario Addison led the team in sacks. Harrison Phillips obviously meant a lot to the defense down the stretch and played really well with Ed Oliver. Emmanuel Sanders was one of the more prominent pieces in the passing game. Mitch Trubisky, QB2. Ike Bakker has started a lot of games over the last two years for the Bills. Levi Wallace has been the Bills' starting CB2 since, you know, really for the last three and a half years. You know, there's some players here that um, if they leave, the Bills will have to figure out how to replace them. And again, we know that the Bills are pretty much right up against it when it comes to cap space. The Bills also have two restricted free agents, Justin Zimmer and Ryan Bates. I think it's reasonable to expect that both of those players will return. So the AFC West has been crazy, right? The Chiefs are the Chiefs, right? We always know that. They have Pat Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and those young offensive linemen. But Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos, and they still have a lot of cap space. They still have like five picks inside the top 120 after trading for Russ Wilson. And Khalil Mack is now on the Chargers. So they have a pass rushing tandem of Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack with Justin Herbert at quarterback. 
Meanwhile, the Raiders, the other team out there in that division, they were a playoff team last year. And Josh McDaniels has stepped in as the head coach, and he can elevate that team. You know, I think about that offense with Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, a physical offensive line. They have a lot of the traditional New England Patriots-style players for Josh McDaniels to come in here and really just get this offense going. And so how does this affect the Buffalo Bills? Well, I think this is obviously the most competitive division in football. They're probably going to beat up on themselves quite a bit. And so the, the other side of the coin here is that as those teams beat up on themselves, the Bills' path to the number one seed is quite clear. Now, we know Cincinnati's going to be around. Baltimore will be back. I mean, Tennessee was the one seed last year. But as the, the, the AFC West kind of beats up on each other, they sabotage themselves. It makes the AFC as a conference a lot more competitive. But it really kind of widens that path for the Buffalo Bills to be the number one seed. Of course, they got to take care of their business. It's easy to talk about this stuff. It's hard to go do it. But the AFC is definitely competitive. But with the concentration of so many teams being in that one division, it's kind of the good news for the Bills. But at the end of the day, it always comes back to the Bills, right? They got to do, they got to do it, right? They got to do it. They've got the ingredients. Now, the Bills can make some very small moves the rest of the way, you know, have a draft, have basic additions to this roster. They're still a contender because they have Josh Allen and a really good nucleus right now. Now let's see what uh, Brandon Bean has up his sleeve for the coming weeks to build around Josh Allen and, and really try to elevate this football team and not stall out in the playoffs in 2022. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Again, this week is going to be crazy. Tomorrow might be herd mentality. It might not be. We might have some major Bills news to talk about. We could have major NFL news that affects the Bills to talk about. So I'm not making any promises about what we're talking about this week. It is wide open as we dive into free agency and expect a crazy week across the NFL. So I just understand the dynamics of trying to navigate this week from my side of things and just understand might be a little inconsistent, but we will cover everything as it relates to the Buffalo Bills throughout the course of the week. All right, folks, try to be productive if you can today. I'm sure you'll be glued to Twitter just like I will. And uh, let's have a fun week on the podcast talking about the Buffalo Bills. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. Hit that like button. It's always so helpful and appreciated. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.